After the weekend of EPL we just had, is it real life or is it a fantasy? This is the only pod when we're winning podcast. You'll be joined by Pete Supernovikowski and Paul underscore football tonight. We'll talk a bit of EPL, we'll talk the women's game and my God, are we still in shock. Here, Barkley it takes Villa's first corner. Can't find Watkins McGinn. Vardy deflection, and as the Villa's two-goal lead is restored, John McGinn. We've got to try and hit with that high line. Means letting it run. It's back in for Watkins for a hat trick. It's 4-1 Aston Villa. Liverpool completely undone. What a weekend of English Premier League. Um, only one game was a draw, and even that was a shock result with Leeds and City drawing one all. Um, City dominating the first half. Leeds uh, unlucky not to win in the end. Uh, Chelsea thumping Crystal Palace 4-0. Everton uh, going on their merry way. Four wins from four, beating Brighton 4-2. Newcastle did it easy over Burnley, 3-1. Uh, West Ham in, in a bit of a shock, uh, thrashing Leicester City 3-0, and they were value for that. Southampton back on board with a 2-0 win. Same with Wolves, 1-0 over the helpless staff, Fulham. Arsenal beating Sheffield United, unconvincing, but a good win. And we'll then come to these two games, mates. We'll discuss them after these. Started off early on Monday morning with Tottenham winning 6-1 over United. They said, uh, Liverpool said, hold my beer. We'll get done 7-2 by Villa. <laughs> what a weekend of English Premier League. Uh, look, it's a sensational weekend of English Premier League. And uh, even if you look at the table as it stands, Aston Villa, they have the best goal difference currently with the plus nine. And it, it, it's just mind-blowing the fact that we've got the likes of Everton top of the table. I don't think anyone expected this to be happening the first few games. Um, Aston Villa, who has probably won the transfer window with the signings that they've brought in and the players who are joining their squad, the style of football they're playing at the moment is just really, really enjoyable. Uh, I don't think anyone expected um, the defensive work to be so horrific at the moment, but uh, it looks like everyone has their scoring boots on and that's what brings the entertainment. It's, um, look, we talk about La Liga and, you know, we love Serie A, we love all our comps, the A-League and so forth. Um, but it's been spoken about so many times over the years that the EPL is the most competitive, um, you know, major football code in the world. Um, you might want to argue MLS, but, you know, for the people who are not football purists, they probably don't really notice the MLS too much. But this is unbelievable. And I think that, you know, you've got the teams that have come up like Leeds. We know they're going to be super competitive, uh, but they're going to leak a lot of goals as well. Um, and, you know, really even now, you could probably already say that Fulham are down, um, I, I think, with what they're showing. And that's probably one of the only certainties right now. Well, at least the only thing that Fulham actually have to celebrate is the fact that towards the end of their transfer window, they've brought in the likes of Ruben Loftus-Cheek. Uh, they've also signed two centre-backs, so at least there is something to celebrate. But at the same time, uh, look, if you asked me the exact same question 48 hours ago, I would pretty much say... Looking at the fixture list, uh, you could almost guarantee that Fulham would actually have a lower 
points total uh, total at the end of the season than Derby did uh, in their worst ever season. Uh, but look, the signings that they've brought in, the fact that they've tried to secure uh, defensively, uh, they've tried to be a bit ambitious with Ruben Loftus-Cheek. They, they, they're trying to um, make things better. You can see that the owner on uh, social media are posting on Twitter saying, look, we're doing our best to try and make, uh, find the players that we want to sign. It, it kind of feels like Fulham won't get the lowest ever total. Um, I, I wholeheartedly agree that they're almost guaranteed to get relegated. But look, they might not get the lowest ever total in Premier League points. Is there any, you know, I mean, obviously it's very early in the season. Um, I will throw everyone who's ever listened to me knows I'm a Villa fan, so I'm not going to get carried away. It will be a win against um, Liverpool that I'll never forget for the rest of my supporting life. But what I'm happy about, I, I have no illusions that we'll finish up high on the uh, on the table at the end of the year. I already know that's the case, and that is a huge relief. Very excited. And look, you've got every right to be excited as well because it, it was one of those games where literally everything went right for Aston Villa um, and every single mistake that probably could have been done from a Liverpool end pretty much was done uh, from a Liverpool end. Uh, it, it showed uh, how much that Liverpool really missed the likes of Alisson, like uh, the miss of Thiago in the central midfield, new signing, uh, losing the likes of Sadio Mane up top. But you can't take away from what Aston Villa had done, obviously bringing the likes of Ross Barkley into their lineup uh, and his combinations with Jack Grealish already is just sensational to watch. Um, You could see what Villa were trying to do in the front third. The moment they had the ball, it was really positive football. They were really basically just saying any time there was an opportunity to shoot, they were trying to have that uh, shot on so really, really entertaining football for Aston Villa. And as we say, uh, look, three games, three wins. Uh, they've scored 11 goals and things are looking positive for them, especially since next game that they actually play will be against Leicester City, who currently sit just below them on the table, uh, equally with nine points. And, and the thing, I, I, you know, going away from Villa for a moment and, and looking at Liverpool, I mean, you're going to have these results. I mean, not a 7-2 for a, um, a champion. It's the worst uh, result, I believe, has ever happened for a champion in the, in the top, from the top flight. But they play a high line, and Leeds may have set the blueprint in that first game where they really did um, make the most of, you know, taking advantage of Liverpool's high line. And I think they have set a blueprint which hopefully means this is going to be a really competitive race for the title. And kicked a ball before his team were behind. Maguire's in trouble here. Lamella is being a menace. And it is hammered home for an instant Spurs equaliser. Harry Maguire doesn't know where to look. And Dombele went blustering through. Yeah, well, it, it, it all comes from, from this... Um, Harry Maguire doesn't get the header right and he puts Luke Shaw in all sorts of trouble with Lamella.
Look, I feel like it's obviously a risk any time that you play a high line. Um, any time that your defensive unit is taking a step forward uh, towards your opponent's goal rather than that step backwards when you expect that long ball to come over the top, it's obviously going to be a risk because there is obviously the wind of opportunity that once your opponents are already facing forward, uh, then they've got momentum to be able to push forward and really challenge in that front third. So I personally am not just excited about the fact that there was that 7-2 result. I, it, it's funny. From a, uh, a Liverpool fan's perspective, I woke up laughing and thinking, I have to watch the highlights. And after watching the highlights, I was still laughing uh, because it would just seem so obscure. But at the same time, um, I feel like Everton could be the type of team who again, could get the better of that Liverpool defence and uh, could find their way in behind because there is uh, a number of holes or little gaps that you can see. The likes of Virgil van Dijk looks tired when the ball gets played over the top and he takes that extra few moments to get in behind. Um, You've got so much uh, space that gets exposed every time that Trent Alexander-Arnold and Andy Robertson gets forward. Uh, it exposes these wide defensive areas as well. So, yeah, there's there's a lot to be done. I think the derby is going to be an absolute... Uh, it's going to be a corker thing. Uh, you know, got old school Liverpool Everton derby is going to be amazing. Um, we, we look at teams like Leicester City and, you know, a, a team like Everton, no one's going to give them a chance to win the title, but Leicester won that title. There's got to be a chance for a team like an Everton. If they can get a result against Liverpool, the confidence in the rest of the competition also goes up a notch. That invincible aura um, dissipates. So I'm looking forward to that. And, you know, as we go through the, the, you know, you've spoken about Fulham, Sheffield United is still not to get off the mark there uh, either. They're on um, zero points after four games. Burnley, zero after three. Um, West Brom have the point after four. So down the bottom, there's already starting to get a bit of a gap and that's got to be a bit scary. Uh, but you look in 16th and you've got Man United. Now, they're 6-1 boss. Um, you know, there was a very controversial red card, obviously, and that has to play a part. But a lot of people were tipping that Man United would be in the top three and really challenging this year. And that, a couple more bad results and their confidence has got to be shot as well. Yeah, spot on. Um, there, there's plenty of talk and rumours coming out of Manchester United at the moment. The likes that every time there is that negative result, it adds fuel to the fire and to discussions of Ole Gunnar potentially losing his job and the likes of Maurizio Pochettino uh, potentially coming in as well. So, you know, every time that there is uh, something that just doesn't go exactly to plan, uh, Manchester United fans are going to jump to all over it. Um, now, you, we obviously saw in that 6-1 fixture uh, how excited... Manchester United fans would have been 30 seconds in, uh, getting a penalty being awarded. Bruno Fernandes doing his hoppy skip and his jump to be able to find the back of the net. Yep. Um, yep. Look, th- there would be a lot to celebrate. If if the game was blown full-time whistle in, in the second minute, I'm sure that United fans would have been over the moon and aesthetic, but it just wasn't to be. You could see the horrific defensive works of the likes of uh, Harry Maguire, who quite literally pulled down his other central defender, to be able to try and clear a ball, which again, just failed miserably. But it's okay because the world is safe um, now that they've signed a 38-year-old striker in the form of Edison Cavani. 
And, and yet they were looking to sign much younger players, uh, probably on less weekly wages. It's just, it's a bizarre signing to me. I could understand a, a team who'd been promoted or a team that was, you know, needing a bit more support. But you, you're signing a 38-year-old as your, I won't say saviour, but as one of your, you know, saving steps. There's real worrying times uh, in Manchester. Well, it doesn't make a whole, it, both, does, yeah, it doesn't make a whole lot of a sense the signing in a way because um, although yes he has a lot of experience in terms of the international stage, the national stage, he's played a lot of European fixtures, he can mentor a lot of the younger players coming through. But then you have to question: Does that potentially um, take the starting lineup spot off the likes of someone like a, a Marcus Rashford off a? Um, yeah. Look, off Antonio Martial, off anyone else who's up front, like, does does his role then, you know, mean that someone else gets excluded? And although there's a lot of positives that can come out of bringing in the likes of someone like Edison Cavani, there's a whole lot of negatives as well. Yeah, I really, um, I, I totally agree. I, I look at the, um, on paper, and no one wins a game on paper. I look at their, their squad and I look up, up front. I think they've got a really bright future there. I think it's the midfield that needed reinforcing. And obviously down back, you always do. But I think it's the midfield that needed that that reinforcing. And to add a 38-year-old seems to make no sense. Um, and it's part of why a lot of people are calling for the management and owners to actually uh, leave. Um, but you've also got Man City, and they must be feeling pretty good about the Liverpool and Man United results after their thumping the week before. Um, so it, it's been a strange season already. Yeah. I mean, you know, Man City lost 5-2 the week before to Leicester. Well, in, in a way, that wasn't um, the, the weirdest thing to have happened in English football in recent times because we'd kind of seen what Leicester had done in recent years against Manchester United um, and the fact that, you, you talked earlier on about the fact that there is kind of that blueprint to beat a big team. And that's exactly what Leicester knows how to do. Um, they know how to disrupt and annoy and uh, to kind of frustrate the likes of Manchester City. And because of that, you, you can see Leicester kind of creates their own destiny uh, in the way they apply their trade. But uh, in obscure as it was, it was it basically was the, the one-one draw between Leeds and Manchester City, which uh, really stole the headlines. Look, this game could have gone anywhere from a, a boring nil-nil draw in some form of capacity with both teams locking each other out to anything up to a 7-0 win for either team because they both play such free-flowing football and such attacking um prowess in the front third that again this could have gone really any way so I don't like using the phrase a draw is a fair result but in a fixture such as this a draw was probably a reasonable outcome for both sides yeah I agree I thought City looked like they were going to um, and and probably should have put Leeds to the sword in the first half and in, if you're on the balance of play in the second half, you'd have to say Leeds were unlucky not to have come away with a win. So it was just one of those really weird games where the swings were for so long. The period of dominance by City in the first half was most of that first half. And, and same with Leeds in the second half. Um, it, you know, I'm surprised it didn't end up 4 all or 5 all with the amount of opportunities that game had. But look, just amazing. And it's, it's almost unfortunate that the international um, breakers come with these kind of results, it would be really interesting to see how these teams 
recovered without having the, um, the, the time to work on formations and the mental, um, you know, recovery and so forth. Having an international break gives them time to regroup. Yeah, absolutely. It, it changes momentum. It changes how teams will prepare. Like, if you're a Liverpool fan, you would really be fascinated to see what Jurgen Klopp does during this week of training to really change things around uh, before a Merseyside derby. If you're, um, you know, if, if you're a Fulham fan, you really want to see these new signings come into a lineup and really start to apply their trade from the start. Um, if you're, you know, a Villa fan, you want to know whether or not you can maintain this momentum that started in the first few rounds of the season. So having an international break, like after four games, it's frustrating. Um, and it, again, it, it ruins the flow of what we've started to see and how teams can really um, progress because, We've seen a number of teams, um, even at Liverpool, for instance, a couple of players are already starting to test positive for COVID-19 symptoms. And if you have this international fixture, then there's the opportunity that players will have to travel overseas and they could potentially spread. Yes. Is there, in your mind, is there any chance that the, the season could be postponed at some stage? If things uh, with a second wave really start to pick up in a in a scary way, because we've seen this start happening in some Scandinavian countries, we've seen the second wave start to hit a little bit stronger in um, the likes of Spain, in Greece, even uh, in Germany. This second wave is really starting to uh, gain momentum. Then England at the moment is about a month behind the rest of Europe, and. I wouldn't be too surprised if there was the option of having two or even four weeks off as a kind of a suspension to the league again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just having a quick look at Spain. Uh, Real Madrid got back on track with a 2-0 win over Levante. And, and I suppose the, uh, you know, Seville and Barcelona won all there. Um, Barca with a game in hand. But it, it looks... Looks a very different La Liga at the moment. Um, there's a there's a fair bit of competition there. You know, Real Betis and Real Sociedad and Villarreal. There's a lot of teams around the mark, and we can only hope that that continues throughout the season as well. Yeah, really. All one is obviously we see these crazy results going on over in England, but when I mean, you look at the other continental leagues, there's nothing that's really standing out as saying, "Oh, that's really surprising," and "Oh, there's a seven-two result that Barcelona got destroyed in," or something like that. It just it, it it's not happening in some of these leagues. Uh, we've seen the likes of Atletico Madrid uh, start off with two draws and a win in their opening three games. And it's just like, yep, business as usual for Diego Simeone. Uh, we can see what Real Madrid's doing at the top of the table. They've had three wins and one draw. And it, it's kind of like, yep, we're so used to this that it, it's nothing too surprising. And you would expect, you know, with COVID and so forth, this would be the season that some surprise results are thrown up. But it's not looking that way at the moment. Serie A, uh, Lazio and Inter Milan, there was a couple of red cards there. Could have been three or four, one all draw. But no no results really that stand out. Uh, Atlanta had a uh, 5-2 win over Calgary, I suppose, is, is the one that stands out. But pretty much business as usual there as well. Um, so, you know, it, I can't explain why we're getting these defensive lapses. You, you can say on one hand, 
the attacking is so good. But when you actually watch the games in the English Premier League at the moment, some of the defensive mistakes are horrendous. Yeah, exactly right. Um, th- there's just some woeful 1v1 defensive work. There's some uh, really odd positioning um, in terms of how the players are really linking up. I-, I know it's obvious that the fact that these players have almost gone you know, almost two years now without a break. Uh, and it doesn't seem like there's going to be a break anytime soon uh, for any of their leagues. So, you know, it's obvious that there are a number of players who are tired and are really struggling to get momentum over in the English Premier League. But uh, over in Italy, for instance, as you mentioned, it's kind of, yep, we're so used to the momentum and the flow of these games. Uh, we saw the likes of AC Milan, who are kind of finding their form again after having an early um, mistake. Atalanta is really dominating the league, scoring 13 goals in their opening three games and really uh, finding momentum. Uh, the biggest store, uh, story and talking point uh, from the weekend was actually the uh, Juventus and uh, Napoli game, which didn't actually go ahead after the fact that right. Napoli stayed home in Naples. Um, and uh, Juventus, they actually had a really odd thing whereby their actual social media team uh, live tweeted the whole experience of the players arriving <laughs> to the ground with their sponge bags. They had the, everyone, you know, let's get their kits out and let's get ready for the game. Um, the referees walking out onto the field, they filmed the whole thing and it just didn't make a whole lot of sense. But now that game is uh, finding itself in some trouble with uh, Juventus saying, well, you guys didn't turn up for this game, so it should be a 3-0 victory for us and you guys automatically forfeit. Whilst Napoli saying, well, for health reasons, we couldn't actually travel south and uh, that game shouldn't be... Um, brought ahead. So really interesting conflict over in Italy in terms of how these two sides are really going to fix their problems. It's, it's, it's definitely going to be one that's not going to be solved by Serie A. It's going to have to go beyond that. Uh, we look at the Bundesliga and you normally expect obviously Bayern and, and Dortmund and uh, now Red Bull, obviously Leipzig being right up there and they are. But um, from seventh to first at the moment, it's only three games in. There's, there's one point. So um, no one has won all three games, which is really interesting there. But one of the things that I found, um, and just not watching every game, but watching all the highlights, is how bad Schalker are. I didn't expect them to be this bad. They're, uh, they've conceded 15 goals in three games. They've scored one. And they're negative 14 goal difference after three games. Yeah. That, that was what I found as the outline. Yeah. Um... I don't think that they've actually won a Bundesliga game in the last 19 fixtures from memory. Uh, this is a horrific run of form. Uh, recently, they actually sacked their head coach, David Wagner, who had previously been over in uh, England with Brighton Hove Albion from memory, uh, or it could have been Huddersfield. I honestly can't remember off the blue and the white stripes, but uh, with that in mind, uh, Schalke are in horrific form and they basically need this whole uh, restart of a season in some form. Uh, you know, three games in, they've already considered 15 goals. They've scored once. Yeah. Uh, things are not yep. going right for them in any way, shape or form, uh, which is really disappointing because it's a club with so much history and so much passion and uh, they, they, the fans deserve so much more. Yeah, and look, it'll be interesting to see the next few weeks. Hopefully, the, the top six is the Bundesliga because 
uh, it is a competition, yet, yes, it's dominated by the top, you know, the top teams. But it'd be great to see a bit of a battle. Uh, as I said, down to seven, one point between. goals um, and 4-3 in their game so we'll keep an eye on the Bundesliga but the English Premier League yes we're biased in that regards but it is just so competitive and it's so compelling to see the difference in the Premier League as we've already come um, to the other leagues but you know obviously someone needs to buy some nails and some wood and build some fences man because the defences are just horrendous at the moment Absolutely right, because that's uh, the first thing every coach should be trying to fix up as soon as they uh, get out to the training fields uh, over the next week or two and uh, make sure that they can try and uh, tidy up because as, as exciting as it is to see so many goals find the back of the net and exciting as it is to be able to see these big score lines at the same time, uh, you kind of just want, you know, a decent fixture. Uh, you kind of want, you know, a bit more organisation and structure as well. So um, I've got no doubt that this will get tidied up over the coming weeks. Claire Ensley now puts in a great cross and it's turned in. Hayley Rasso for Everton. Deadlock broken at the back stadium. And Hayley Rasso with her first Everton goal. Petzelberger under pressure. Back to Vice it goes. That was loose though from Lisa Vice. And Rasso with another chance. And a second goal for Hayley Rasso. Gifted. I'm just looking forward to see some more outrageous results and, and just having one of those bizarre seasons I think will be amazing. Um, we'll, we'll stay in England and... We'll, we'll focus on some of the uh, Matildas at the moment that are going great guns uh, in England at the moment. And we'll start off with uh, Arsenal. We've got Lydia Williams and uh, Steph Cately and Caitlin Ford um, doing wonders there. Alana Kennedy's at um, Tottenham, I believe. We've got Emily Van Egmond and Mackenzie Arnold at West Ham. Sam Kerr, just brilliant at Chelsea. Chloe, uh, Chloe Gaza at Bristol and Haley scoring a... Uh, uh, Razo scoring a brace against my team, Villa. So the the the, the uh, Premier League, uh, the women's Premier League in England, is just providing so much competition for the Australian girls. Yeah, I'll also throw in the the fact that Amy Harrison and uh, sorry, not Amy Harrison, she's over at Paris uh, at uh, PSV Onhoven at the moment. Uh, sorry, it's the maestro Ella Massarino uh, who's over at Bristol City as well. Uh, oh, she is too. So she's been pulling the strings really well for this Bristol City lineup, but it just wasn't to be in the Arsenal's three-one uh, result over Bristol, where Caitlin Ford, uh, as you mentioned, kind of stole the show, uh, scoring a goal and getting an assist as well along the process. Uh, at Chelsea, we can see Sam Kerr after her early what the media kind of hyped up was a hiccup to her season. Uh, she was really just trying to find her feet. So Sam Kerr's actually really started to improve massively. Over at uh, Tottenham, Alana Kennedy's been working uh, really well in the middle of the park and uh, yeah. doing her defensive duties as well, but it just wasn't to be as Manchester City, far too strong for them, a 4-1 victory there. Uh, and Manchester United, really interesting news and some really positive news about the fact that uh, they've actually been selling out 
of their Christian Press and Tobin Heath jerseys faster than they've ever sold out a men's jersey. Uh, Isn't that unbelievable? Just sensational to hear and really positive that, you know, women's football getting the recognition that it actually deserves. And, and we've touched on it in previous shows. You can um, catch up on uh, the Australian women ab- uh, abroad. We're not sponsored by Optus, but if you do have um, a subscription to Optus or so forth, or you want to buy the football subscription, you'll get the highlights of all the, uh, the Australian women overseas as well. And and we didn't, we wouldn't have seen that kind of thing years ago. No, exactly right. I, I think that um, it, it only really happened because we've got so many Aussies who are heading across there right now. Um, so, you know, now that we've got a few Aussies who are applying their trade over at Napoli in uh, the Serie A competition, uh, perhaps we'll be able to see some Italian highlights as well coming up soon. Uh, we had some really exciting news out of France where Mary Fowler got herself on the score sheet uh, yeah. for her team down in Montpellier. Uh, so lots of positives happening all across Europe. We can see uh, there's a number of players over in Netherlands who are really starting to surprise a few teams as well. So, yeah, the more uh, exposure that the players are getting over in Europe, the, the more exciting this uh, this promotional and advertising campaign really gets. I think this bodes so well for the Matildas. I think we're going to be uh, as strong in the next few years as we've ever been. You know, some people are talking about some of our players ageing. Will the golden generation, um, you know, go away? I don't see that happening. I see more and more girls seeing a pathway, um, as you've brought up on your social media channels, uh, a pathway to play um, college football in America. They can get a uni degree. They'll have, you know, potentially... Um, you know, their food and everything and accommodation paid for. And it's just exciting times for a female athlete to have so many different channels, um, football and otherwise, um, to become a professional athlete. Yeah, exactly right. Doorways are starting to open up everywhere. Um, finally, football is not just for 16-year-old boys to open up a door and find a way over to Europe. Instead, we've got players who are able to really progress. Uh, We spoke a few weeks ago about a young player who's a 19-year-old who's recently signed over in Spain. Uh, She has made the move across to Levante in the second division. Uh, So keep an eye out on the, the likes of young Abby Lemon. Uh, who has previously played for the likes of Blacktown Spartans and Northwest Sydney Koalas here in the New South Wales NPL competitions and is now uh, training with a, a senior side and a professional lineup. So as soon as she actually finished off her HSC, she jumped on a plane, headed across to Europe and is now working in the second division. Oh, it's absolutely brilliant. On a personal note, Pete, um, congratulations on your coaching appointment and, and other coaches as well. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, thank you. Um, really exciting times for myself and for the whole coaching staff over at MacArthur Rams Women's Football Club. Uh, so I've signed on as the reserve grade coach over at MacArthur Rams, whilst a very good friend of mine, Stephen Peters, is coming in as the first grade coach. Uh, we've also welcomed into the coaching uh, lineup Troy Spink, who has previously been the first grade coach at the club and has now moved into the technical director role. And so kind of between the three of us, we'll, we'll work on uh, not only developing a, an elite program for the first grade and the reserve grade squads at that club, but to really uh, create that pathway for players to progress. Uh, We have a great connection to the local community and with any luck, we'll be able to see 
some success from the under eight, uh, sorry, the under tens age group all the way up until the first grade squad, and we can see players uh, really get promoted for the good work that they've done. So I think there's no secret about the success that uh, MacArthur Rams has previously had. Uh, you only need to kind of look across the history books of football New South Wales's website, and you'll see the Rams being mentioned everywhere across the the trophies. So uh, this is something that we want to, you know build upon something special. And, you know, look, that's we're excited for you, um, uh, having known you for years and worked with you on different uh, kind of media channels and so forth. It's just really exciting. Um, obviously, 2021 trials would be coming up, um, I believe, or am I wrong there? I'm, I don't know a lot about New South Wales. <laughs> yeah, so currently I'm going through my recruitment drive at the moment, so uh, I'm definitely on the lookout for players. I've got a few spots left available in my reserve grade squad, and there's a few uh, marquee names which will be coming into our first grade squad as well. So uh, this is kind of the, the, the really exciting time of the season where – uh, this is where players start to work out where, where they want to be, what they want to do, and uh, really plot out how they want to get to uh, where they deem is going to be successful. So this is a really positive time. So if anyone who is listening is uh, interested in uh, either trialling or putting in an expression of interest, uh, please jump on MacArthur Rams Women's uh, Facebook page and send through a message to the Facebook page or uh, find the MacArthur Rams Women's uh, Instagram page and you'll be able to get a whole lot of information there about how to express your interest. And even the younger age groups uh, will be announcing when those trials will be on at the conclusion of the current season, which is set to uh, finish on November 1st. That is absolutely brilliant news. Uh, anything else exciting? Anything, uh, any news um, in the football world that's caught your attention in the last week or so? Well, obviously, we've got uh, the transfer windows closing up. Uh, we've got pretty much every single player over in the A-League is uh, fly, well, has either found a new job over in India or in Greece or in Malaysia. So my advice to you, Paul, would actually make sure that you've got a pair of boots that fits you because there's a good <laughs> chance someone could call you up for a spot in uh, Brisbane Raw's lineup. Um, we can also celebrate the fact that Ross Aloisi has rejoined Adelaide United, coming in as the assistant coach to work alongside the likes of Carl Vett, which I think is a really positive move for the club to bring in a club legend. And uh, we've got lots going on with uh, Milos Ninkovic with the introduction and the opening of his Ninko 10 Academy uh, and Ninko 10 Football Development Clinics, which were taking place during school holidays. So there's plenty going on here in the A-League for however many teams or however many players are still in the league. Yeah, I'm sure that, um, you know, uh, Carl Viet and Aloisi are going to be a really calm uh, duo there. At least you're going to get a bit of fire every now and again. Yeah, personally, I'm quite excited for the meditation sessions and yoga sessions on a Monday post-games. <laughs> now, I do have to bring up something I thought was a little bit funny, considering that I shouldn't say too many bad things in the world, but um, I'm a Villa fan, of course, so I'm not going to be too excited about any signings that Birmingham's, uh, Birmingham City get. Um, but it, it, quite funny during the week. They've, they've signed, um, obviously, uh, an Adelaide United player. Um, and yeah, young Rowan McGee. Yep. But in saying that, and I think you'll do really well there, don't get me wrong. Hopefully not the team doesn't do too well. But uh, he's basically said that um, they put a social media post up and it went really you know, big for them and everything like that. But in the video, which I watched, he actually said, 
um, I see Birmingham City as a um, stepping stone to a bigger club. And uh, within, I think, about half an hour to an hour, they pulled the post down. So <laughs> they'd even vetoed or vetted their uh, their own social media post, which I thought was quite amusing. Yeah, exactly right, especially when the fact that the club that is actually there on loan from is a club that doesn't actually exist in the MLS at the moment because, of course, he's uh, signed with Charlotte's. Uh, the new MLS uh, franchise. So uh, the fact that he's using Birmingham City as a uh, stepping stone towards a club that doesn't actually exist at the moment, really interesting move for him personally. Yeah, and a big, um, look, some big raps from former Adelaide United players and uh, Bruce Yitte saying that he's the best young talent uh, Australia's produced in a long time. It's a pretty big rap. And look, I, make, I, I, see, there's a, I do see playing football in England um, you know, even in the championship as a really good... We shouldn't undersell the strength of that competition. Um, you know, many, many of the championship clubs would dominate uh, in other leagues around the world. So probably words that he'll want to take back. If that, Thank God there's no Birmingham City fans live at the games at the moment, I can tell you now. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, uh, look, <laughs> he'll be quite happy that post got pulled down. But I'll say this, I'm really, uh, I think he is an excellent young player. I'm looking forward to seeing him progress. And I think any, uh, whether it's male or female, we want to see our players. We we don't want to see our guys in their 20s playing in the A-League. I know that's controversial. We want to see our guys in their 20s playing in the better competitions around the world. That's my opinion. Yeah, well, they just need to be playing football, um, full stop. <laughs> they just need to be on the field actually playing. The fact that you've got an A-League season which finished uh, a few months ago and a new season which won't be kicking off until probably January next year, um, you know, four and a bit, five months off, uh, that's really not going to be good for anyone. No, so look, we wish him the very best, uh, even very hard for me to say that. Wish him the best, but not his team the best. Um, Pete, we've done a bit of a mini podcast here tonight. We've got the international break, so we'll have a bit of a different show next week. We'll uh, we'll, we'll find some uh, we'll find some different angles on the wonderful world of uh, football there. But Pete's been a pleasure, and we are very excited that you've got your your gig at Macarthur Rams. It's a credit to you, credit to the club, and uh, women's football going great guns. Thank you very much. Uh, always awesome to talk some football with you. Absolutely. We have been We Only Pod When We're Winning, Pete Supernovikowski and Paul Fredrickson, and we'll speak to you soon. Thanks, mate. Well, thanks for listening to another episode of We Only Pod When We're Winning. We're still in absolute shock with the results over the weekend in the EPL. We've got the international break, so next week we'll be back. We'll be doing a uh, special podcast. Details will be up on our Facebook page at We Only Pod When We're Winning and on the Love Sport Facebook page as well part of the Love Sport Podcast Network. My name's Paul, Paul underscore football on Twitter, and that was Pete Novikowski, Pete Novikowski with a W on Twitter as well. Normally joined by Lambic Peach on Twitter and also Hunslet White. Enjoy your football peeps.